Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. My guest today is the legendary advocate Paul Hoffman SC, the head of accountability now, which I'll ask him to unpack, and prime mover behind the famous Glenister cases uh, that arose from the establishment of the Hawks, which replaced the Scorpions. Paul, welcome. Good morning, Sarah, and good morning to your listeners as well. Paul, thank you very much for joining me. Um, can I ask you this first? Um, we've had the third report from the Zondo Commission, uh, which runs to nearly a thousand pages, and I know there's another report coming. The problem, the what the reports have done, amongst other things, is created an expectation, I think a large, a large expectation amongst the, the public that since the information is now sort of being collated in a, in a sort of comprehensible uh, form, there's an expectation that the, the authorities will start prosecuting people who have been named and uh, shamed, I guess, in, in these reports. Can the NPA do it? No, I'm afraid, that, well, <laughs> the NPA does not have the capacity to to do it. The government knows it, the NPA knows it, and the crooks know it too. Part of the effort that was put into the state capture project in the Zuma years was to hollow out and incapacitate the NPA. And this was done by turning off the taps of resourcing uh, especially as far as personnel was concerned, but also by placing saboteurs, this is Hermione Cronier's term, not mine, saboteurs were placed in the ranks of the NPA in order to disappear dockets and to generally uh, trip up proper efforts to hold those responsible for grand corruption, state capture, kleptocracy to account. And we saw that coming out beautifully in the uh, evidence in the Zondo Commission where the famous carpet at the Sheraton Hotel served as the backdrop to the docket that had been stolen and made available to Osasa so that it could trim its sails and avoid a, a criminal prosecution for more than 10 years. That is the, uh, the depth of the uh, despicability that has been going on within the ranks of the Criminal Justice Administration. And uh, so I don't think anybody is holding out any hope that the NPA can, in fact, get on and prosecute. Uh, it, it, it hasn't yet. And the SIU report, which is similar to the Zondo Commission report mm. on Busasa, was given in 2009. <laughs> yeah, what can I say? It raises the question that, that I mean, when, when Shamila Batoy took over the position of uh, head of as the national prosecutor two or three years ago, um, did she, or do you know, surmise whether she had expectations that under a President Ramaphosa, as opposed to President Zuma, that somehow those problems, those saboteurs, the, the funding, those sorts of issues would would be resolved, and she was sorely misled. 
No, I think she spent the last three years making excuses as to why she can't do her job properly. And um, it would have been naive to expect that Jacob Zuma's deputy mm. and a loyal uh, leader of the ANC mm. uh, alliance would suddenly change his spots and become the champion of anti-corruption work. Uh, we know from that NEC conversation about the ANC using public money to punt its political agenda to pay for its transport and paraphernalia for elections, that Ramaphosa has been very much aware mm. that he is at the head of a criminal syndicate rather than a, a political party. And he has done a little bit of window dressing, but he has not done anything seriously intended mm to um, address the levels of grand corruption with which we are saddled in South Africa. Can I ask you, from Accountability Now's perspective, the National Prosecuting Authority is, is independent, but only up to a point. What would your, what, what is your prescription for what, really, what the society really needs to deal with the functions that the NPA is supposed to carry out? Yes, we, we would like to see the um, problems of serious corruption hived off from the NPA. We say that it's going to take too long and take uh, um, too much um, in, in the way of effort and uh, time to get to the point where the NPA is restored to its former glory, um, which uh, was the case during the existence of the Scorpions when the, the, the bigwigs in the ANC took heat from mm. the uh, Criminal Justice Administration. That happy era ended in 2009 when the Scorpions were disbanded. The Horse, um, which is a, a mere police unit, so nobody's even suggesting that they up to the task of doing the necessary investigation. And if the necessary investigation is not done, then the prosecutor doesn't receive a docket that's prosecutable. And the uh, prosecutors in the NPA who are capable of uh, competently mounting an anti-corruption prosecution are few and far between. Mm. So our solution, to answer your question a bit more directly, is to hive off the anti-corruption functions of the state, both investigative and uh, prosecutorial, preventative, mm -hmm. combating, educating the public. Everything to do with grand corruption must be given to a new Chapter 9 institution, which we fondly call the Integrity Commission, but you can call it any name you like, as long as it's given the uh, appropriate uh, mandate. That body, we suggest, is the best practice implementation of the STIRS criteria, which were uh, developed by Edwin Cameron and Dekhan uh, Mosinaki in their famous joint judgment in the second of the three Glenister cases. Mm -hmm. You'll know, because you're a lawyer, that uh, the STIRS criteria, we, we gave them that, that acronym in order to save ink in the opinion columns of various publications. STIRS stands for Specialized, Trained, Independent, Resourced in a guaranteed mm -hmm. manner, and the last S, and the one that the Scorpions didn't have, Secure in Tenure of Office. 
Mm. That, that is the, uh, the recipe that the Constitutional Court has in binding fashion set out for the reasonable decision of a reasonable decision maker in amending the legislation that is required to render the country compliant with its international obligations to fight corruption and indeed able to deliver on the human rights agenda that is in our, our Constitution, the Bill of Rights, which says that the state must respect, protect, promote and fulfill human rights. We celebrate that in March each year as Human mm-hmm. Rights Month and we are not getting it right uh, because of the different agenda that has been pursued by successive ANC administrations who are more interested in rolling out the National Democratic Revolution, mm. seizing control of all the levers of power in society, rather than implementing the Constitution, which can be done if the one and a half trillion rand of loot is uh, raked back by a competent criminal justice administration mm. and applied to things like education and poverty alleviation and housing mm. and health care and other expensive human rights that we're all entitled to. Mm. So we, we, we've been um, suggesting this uh, since 2012, which is quite a long time. Yes, it's but, his 10th anniversary. <laughs> Yeah, we, we got the ANC on side in 2020, which we thought we could all pack up and go by on the beach and walk the dogs and do nice things instead of agitating for reform. Because the ANC's National Executive Committee, which is its highest decision-making body between uh, elections, actually passed a resolution which was made public on the 4th of August 2020, in which they instructed Cabinet urgently to establish a permanent, standalone, independent, specialized anti-corruption body, which is really the stirs criteria with slightly different mm. words, but uh, with some overlap even. And so um, when nothing had happened after a year, we realized that this um, resolution was not being implemented, which is a little unusual because the... Uh, the way that the ANC is structured, the members of cabinet are employees of the um, yes, of the ANC and are meant to do what the, the, the bidding of the ANC. So we're not quite sure whether that was a genuine resolution or whether it was a bit of hogwash designed to divert people who were doing a uh, campaign in social media under the hashtag Fitzac ANC, but whatever. Yes. Yeah. We prepared to take them on their word and to to hold them to it. So in August last year, we presented remedial legislation um, to enable the the, uh, the establishment of this integrity commission and to reform the structure of the NPA. That brings us back to that question: Is the NPA? sufficiently independent. We don't believe that it is. Mm. The Constitution Mm. says that uh, enabling legislation should ensure that it is able to function without fear, favor, or prejudice, and that really does mean independently in in a lot of words. Mm. And that isn't happening because the, the Minister of Justice 
exercises final responsibility over the National Prosecuting Authority and is also constitutionally entitled to um, insist on his concurrence in any prosecution policy Mm. that is developed by the leadership of the National Prosecuting Authority. So you'll see that both of those features, as well as the fact that the Director General of Justice is the accounting officer of the NPA, Mm. those taken together suggest that the level of independence that the Chapter 9s enjoy, because they don't report to the executive at all, they report directly Mm. to Parliament, and the judiciary, of course, is uh, even more independent in the sense that Mm. it doesn't report to anybody, it answers only Mm. to the law and the Constitution. So we would like to see um, the anti-corruption machinery of state taken away from the ANC, from, from the from the ANC, from the NPA, mm-hmm. as that for a Freudian slip. And mm-hmm. <laughs> the, um, the idea at the moment within Cabinet seems to be to make the investigating directorate of the NPA, the Hermione Cronier body, mm-hmm. um, a permanent body, and they're not quite sure how they're going to do it uh, Minister Lamorna was in Parliament a week or so ago talking about it and talking about uh, capacitating the ID properly. I think it's a bad idea to keep the anti-corruption machinery of state within the NPA because of the presence of uh, saboteurs, because of the um, lack of capacity within the NPA generally, and in particular because if it is given its independence, which it should have, there will be conflict between the management of the NPA and the management of the permanent ID, let's call it, if they're both under the same umbrella. There will be turf wars and there will be the sort of fights that went on between Jackie Celebi and Brucey Piccoli yeah. um, before the demise of the Scorpions. And yeah, we, we should learn from our history. What we should learn is that the Scorpions had an Achilles heel because they did not enjoy uh, secure permanent uh, tenure mm-hmm. of office. Now, the ID at the moment is not even a creature of statute. It doesn't even have that status, which was a status that enabled the Scorpions to survive until mm-hmm. a majority, a simple majority, part of closed them down. Mm-hmm. The, the, the ID exists as a result of a proclamation by the president, and essentially the cabinet can decide at any time to close down the ID, and there's nothing anybody could do about it. Now, that is exactly what the last S in STIRS is all about. Secure tenure of office mm-hmm. means that the operatives in the anti-corruption regime of state do not have to look over their shoulder or worry about their pension or be concerned that they're going to lose their jobs because they're going after some big cheese who um, is involved in uh, the kleptocracy that is so prevalent in South Africa at the moment. So we're hoping that we will get ourselves to the point where there is a a convergence of opinion between the various uh, big political parties I don't think that the uh, EFF can play a constructive role in this uh, process because of the questionable character and uh, criminal activity of or alleged criminal 
three big parties do seem to be getting towards the uh, the, 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 uh, the idea that we have been bunting for 10 years. The, the IFP, which is the third biggest party, sorry, the fourth biggest party in South Africa, has been with us on the uh, on the idea of a Chapter 9 institution for some years already. The DA has recently come around to it, and the, um, uh, the ANC is lagging a bit, but we expect that its lag will be um, pushed in the right direction by the final report of the Zondo Commission, and that we will see proper uh, reform of the I'll come to uh, after this. I'll come to a question. Just the one question on the uh, Section Nine institutions. Hi FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life. Paul, the one question about the independent uh, Chapter Nine institutions is the the person appointed to lead the institution. Um, this seems to this seems to have been a very mixed bag in that you had Tuli Maronsela in charge of the uh, Public Protector's Office for some years, and uh, now you've got Busisiwe Kwabani, and I mean, it, chalk and cheese doesn't begin to describe it. And then there have been some fairly poor other public protectors, although probably not in the same league. So the 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 the, the, the scope of that independence and that security can appears to, really at risk of being undone by a person who, as we're seeing now, um, to get to get them out of office is is a nightmare. Yes, I, I think that the position hitherto in South Africa has been that the uh, decisions of leadership in uh, levers of power, any position that uh, that constitutes a lever of power is uh, given attention by cadre deployment committees at the Thule House. Mm. And the selected cadre is then um, put into that position. And Thule Maramsela uh, was the beneficiary of the cadre deployment um, system. But unfortunately for Jacob Zuma, who thought, well, he was a soft-spoken, sweet lawyer who <laughs> never raises a voice and never gives anybody a hard time, it was the biggest mistake he made mm, it ended mm. his career. And it was because Tulimad Onsela read the Constitution, internalized the Constitution, and implemented her mandate in the manner in which the law requires her to do. She, she, she investigated, she reported, and she took remedial action when remedial action was required. Busisiwa mm. uh, Inkobani is, is a a died in the world R.E.T. fan mm. and uh, he even lives among them in the ministerial compound okay. and really does not deserve to be the public protector by any stretch of the imagination. Mm. And what we would like to see and what we've put in our draft legislation is really the implementation of the minority judgment of Justice Cameron mm-hmm. in the third Genister case. He recognized that uh, checks and balances and a, uh, a, a, a proper um, sifting and sorting arrangement in relation to the appointment of um, 
of the head of the anti-corruption body is an important aspect of ensuring its independence and indeed its, uh, its effectiveness. Because really what we are dealing with here is uh, implementing a court order that says create independent, adequately independent, anti-corruption machinery of state that is capable of effectively and efficiently countering the corrupt. That's that's the recipe that you need to to stirs uh, into the uh, into the mix. And um, Cameron's minority judgment will give you a great deal of uh, comfort if you go and look at the mm. Minister Three as to uh, preventing the sort of abuse that we see when the uh, public protector like Busisiri and Kumbani is, is appointed. At the moment, uh, the National Director of Public Prosecutions, Shamila Batoy, is a presidential appointee. Mm. He, he, he can choose whoever he choose, he or she can choose, mm. whoever they prefer. And that is not the, uh, the correct way to ensure independence. There, there ought to be some barriers to executive influence and interference in the workings of uh, independent uh, uh, constitutional bodies like the Chapter 9 institutions, the judiciary, and of course the MPA, which is what we are talking about this morning. So I, I think our formula where um, you, you do not rely purely on presidential discretion um, in the draft legislation that we have presented to Parliament and to Cabinet and to the NPA is, is, is one that um, sets a basis and obviously the, um, if, if Parliament sits down and seeks to implement the Stearns criteria properly, that that will be of use to them in their deliberations, and out of their deliberations will come a a, a new body which is able to free us from the shackles of the uh, kleptocracy, grand corruption, and state capture that that are really threatening the existence of the country. Can I just very quickly ask you my last question? Um, if I recall, the, part of the success of the Scorpions was the fact that the prosecutorial staff, the police, the investigators, they, they worked together in units. You didn't have police investigating, then sending things up to the prosecution, to the prosecutors to assess, etc., etc. And that combination of relationships and working together was really part of what was most successful. Yes, uh, they called it the Troika system, and it was prosecution-led, as you suggest, the investigators were not um, uh, situated within SAPS, which is really one of the most corrupt organizations in, in the country. And the uh, third leg of the Troika was the forensic experts who the accountants and, um, and uh, oh, right. other forensic experts who were able to um, unravel using artificial intelligence and all sorts of uh, techniques that are available to people who are in tra trained in this, in this uh, type of work. They were able to get Jackie Salebi um, jailed for corruption, and he was the chief of police. Mm. It was not without difficulty because he sure. enjoyed the protection of Bridget Mabandla and, and uh, 
and Taba and Becky and, and even of Khalema uh, Matlaki, who, who is, is the one who fired him. Yeah. But he was he was he was suspended by Becky for going after Celebi, and he was fired by Matlaki for going after Jacob Zuma. So and, and uh, he, he he sued uh, for mm. for being un- unlawfully dismissed, and he won his case. He got a very big check. And he got a clean bill of health as part of his deed of settlement, as a consequence of which he uh, he still works for government to this day mm. as as a loyal cadre of the ANC. I, I suppose the, the the phrase that would come to mind would be uh, scorpions being victims of their own success. Paul, thank you very much for for unpacking that and perhaps putting out some realism as to what the country can expect uh, after after post Zonda and. Uh, Yes, so uh, it, uh, it's very in flux at the moment, shall we say, but thank you very much for, for giving us your, uh, your, your experience and wisdom on it. Thank you, for, thank you for the opportunity. It's always useful to put a little bit of light into a dark place. <laughs> thank you, Paul.